Hello and welcome to another episode of the Science of D&D podcast, a podcast where we investigate the world of Dungeons & Dragons using scientific thought and reason. I'm Justin Frazee. And I'm Dr. Betsy Schock. And today is a new year. Not really today, but this is the first podcast of the new year. And as often as we come to a new year, we think ahead, think of what the future will hold. If only we can see what the future holds. Well, in D&D, you can. That's right. Using divination. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about divination magic. Some of the uh, specific spells um, that are involved in divination magic. A bigger picture, kind of conceptually, what this would mean for individuals who can cast divination magic into the world as a whole. Um, And then at the end, as we're talking about time, um, maybe you're questioning your own um, mortality. (laughs) Hopefully not. That's really depressing. Um, But we want to talk a little bit about passage of time in D&D and what that may mean for your campaign character. That's right. So let's start with the book's explanation of divination. So as usual, the best descriptions of magical schools come from the wizard part of the player's handbook. So we'll read an excerpt from that. Yes, yeah, so we've actually um, read this description in the past for other reasons, but we'll go ahead and revisit it today. The counsel of a diviner is sought by royalty and commoners alike, for all seek a clearer understanding of the past, present, and future. As a diviner, you strike to part the veil of space, time, and consciousness so you can see clearly. You work to master spells of discernment, remote viewing, supernatural knowledge, and foresight. All right, so yeah, divination focuses on perceiving things in general, whether that's things around you, things that have happened, or things that will happen. So the world of D&D is a little different from our own. Our own world, we can't see the future. You know, we can we can see the past through things like recordings and documents and video and that sort of thing, but we can't see into the future. That's partly to do with the way that time flows. So time isn't stagnant. It isn't always the same, but it always goes in one direction. That's forward. That's why we refer to it as the arrow of time, because it only has one direction. Now, there's been some theories of how you could possibly time travel either into the future or into the past uh but as far as i know those involve impossible amounts of energy or things like that where you couldn't actually do it so there's one exception really it's not really an exception but if you travel at a tremendous amount of speed or even any speed the time that you experience uh will be different than someone that is not traveling at that speed so even as simple as traveling at an, on an airplane, your passage of time will be infinitesimally smaller, but still a little shorter than someone that wasn't on the plane. So you will be some fraction of a second younger than someone you left on the ground. Uh, this is magnified when you get up to much greater speeds, so like sub, some percentage of the speed of light, where you could travel for years and... You know, to you, it'll be several years, but to someone else, it would be decades. Things like that, things like gravity manipulate time. If you got near a black hole, your experience of time would be much slower than those further away. So if you watched uh, Interstellar, you there were several instances where people's age changed. So like they left 
a character that came back to him. They hadn't really been gone more than several hours, but he had aged years and years. Yeah, that was the water planet. Spoilers. <laughs> that movie's a couple years old. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. So we can't manipulate time in a way that can benefit benefit us that we could see into the future. But that's not the way that the world of D&D works. You can see into the future, even if it's limited. So let's talk about specific spells that allow you to peer into what could be the future. Can I ask a question before we move on to that? Sure. So you described time in our world as the arrow of time. Mm-hmm. In D&D, is it the... Is it the bi? It's not the bi-directional barrel time. Do you have an analogy for what that would be similar to? I kind of imagine like it is like maybe an arrow, but it's flexible where you can kind of loop it and like basically a point in the future you can bend it so it hits your time point briefly and then it like flings back and straightens out. Yeah, I would imagine it would be something where you can create a little loop or a bend, a fold. If you think about a wormhole or an Einstein-Rosen bridge, it's where you can fold space so that two places which aren't close to each other uh, basically touch. And like then you can cross between two very distant points. Now, obviously, I don't think there's any spell that allows you to cross into a different period of time, but, but perhaps you can fold time in a way that allows you to see into the future so basically like a loop or like a folding that allows you to perceive and would that be limited by space like could you only perceive something from a different time future and past from where you are currently i mean this is dnd so (laughs) probably not i mean that gets much more complicated because like your position is all relative right so For example, if you could theoretically time travel like one day into the future, you would, but like you stayed at the same space, you wouldn't be on the planet anymore. The planet would have moved, right? That's true. So, you know, space and time or space time, like it's all like relative. So it's, it's probably not constrained, but perhaps it's easier. Like if something is relatively close to you, even from a, like a mental thing of like keeping track of something. Okay. So knowing that, let's go ahead and look at some specific divination spells. So no matter what it is, I would imagine that being able to see into the future would be very difficult. Uh, The first spell I think of is Augury, which is a low-level divination spell that lets you see a little piece of what the future might hold. Yeah, and the spell is specific clerics, Mm -hmm. so hinting on divine uh, needing to be involved for this to happen. Right. So, Augury reads, By casting gem inlaid sticks, rolling dragon bones, laying out ornate cards, or employing some other divining tool, you receive an omen from an otherworldly entity about the results of a specific course of action that you plan to take within the next 30 minutes. The GM chooses from the following possible omens. Wheel for good results, woe for bad results. Wheel and woe for both good and bad results. Nothing for results that aren't especially good or bad. The spell doesn't take into account any possible circumstances that might change the outcome, such as casting of additional spells or loss or gain of a companion. If you cast the spell two or more times before completing your next long rest, there's a cumulative 25% chance for each casting after the first that you get a random reading. The GM makes the scroll in secret. Ooh. So I think even this low-level spell um, 
points to the fact that the future might change. And also, this is um, there's a lot of limitations to this, right? It right. has to be done within the next 30 minutes. So it's not like we're asking for a 12-year-old kid trying to cast this and asking like how many grandkids he'll have and what their names will be or whatever. Yeah, so this makes me think that you don't see the the inevitable future. So time travel gets complicated and you quickly run into paradoxes and it time travel itself might be a paradox, but we can look at popular depictions, right? There's something like Back to the Future. Marty yeah. McFly. Right. So you like experience a time and like, he experiences the present and then he goes back in time, changes things, comes back to the present, and now his life has changed. There are there is a version like Harry Potter, uh, where they go back in time, but the that nothing has changed. They were always there. Like you can, you can, if you watch the movies, you can see the effects that they have later in the movie when they go back in time, which is, you know, keeps things consistent. Like their time traveling partners of themselves were always there. I really love how they did that movie. That was not my favorite book, but the movie like was really well executed. Side note. So. <laughs> then there's other depictions. Uh, for example, Avengers uh, Endgame where traveling through time can split the timeline. Now, if I remember correctly, I think they corrected the timeline in the way that the timeline didn't split because they went back and kind of replaced what they had changed. But that's what I think we might be looking at here. So if, so in physics, there's discussion about like parallel worlds, parallel timelines, what happens when things change. Do you know when, when you read something, you get a result. Does that mean that that was the only result you could have gotten? Or does that mean like the timeline changed or like you have a split world or there, now there's two worlds? So I think perhaps in D&D, that's kind of maybe what we're getting is you look into the future and it's not the inevitable future, but maybe the most probable future, you know, a possible future. And you can go on and that can be true or maybe perhaps because of a choice and some like something splits. And that future happens on a, in another parallel world. And, but perhaps for your world, you changed it to be different or someone else changed it to be different. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so what's another spell? So we've talked about looking briefly into the future. Let's talk about some that alter time itself. Um, maybe time stop. A very powerful ninth level spell. Yeah, let's just go big or go home, right? Let's do it. Reads, you briefly stop the flow of time for everyone but yourself. No time passes for other creatures while you take 1d4 plus 1 turns in a row, during which you can use the actions and move as normal. The spell ends if one of the actions you use during this period or any effects that you create during this period affects a creature other than you or an object being warmed or carried by someone other than you. In addition, the spell ends if you move to a place more than 1,000 feet the location where you cast it. This gets complicated. Well, yes. But when I read it, the thing I immediately see is like limitations, limitations, limitations. Yeah. And so like, even in D&D, they're putting a way to like, not break everything, basically. So the immediate thing I think of is creating a sort of time bubble. Because 
physics are still working for you. You can move normally, which means like gravity is working for you. You know, general physics are working for you in a way that wouldn't work if you were just, if time had completely stopped. So I, my immediate thought is like, you create this little time bubble for yourself, which makes sense if you, that there's limitations on if you affect somebody else or if you move too far away or that sort of thing, you kind of, you know, burst this time bubble and things go back to normal because you're literally stopping. I mean, I think it would be less time stop. I think that's a good way of explaining it, but it's more of like you, you're changing time for yourself because you're not stopping time for the whole universe. You're not, yeah. you like, that would be too much. You are, you are creating a different time bubble for yourself that is on a different scale and like an accelerated scale. Yeah. So, you know, perhaps time doesn't completely stop everywhere else, or, you know, perhaps from your perspective, because it would, be, it would be about perspective. Um, perhaps for you, time doesn't stop completely on everywhere else, but it just moves at an imperceptible rate and that you are at this much increased rate that at least that's how everyone else would perceive it. I picture there are multiple movies that do this. So like, don't have to name a specific one where like, you know, everyone or else around you is moving in slow motion and like it's imperceivable versus your you as the character that they're featuring is moving at normal speed. Or maybe you're like Drax and think you're like invisible because you're moving so <laughs> imperceptibly slow. <laughs> this is a very powerful spell. It lets you take multiple turns, which is incredible. Like it's like it could give you like you did the math really quickly. One D four plus one turns would be could be up to like 30 seconds. Which, like, in terms of stopping time, that doesn't seem crazy. Like, it's not like, and we we said we're not. You're not really stopping time, but a thirty second blip in time feels less significant than like days or days. But in terms of combat, that's huge. I'm just thinking of what I would do. So you couldn't directly affect people, but could you like put a rock over their head or something so that it falls on them? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> this does make me think of haste, though, because you gain an extra turn with that. So let's check that out. Now, granted, neither time stop or haste is divination, but I mean, I think it provides clues into time and how divination works and it's therefore interesting. So let's look at haste. Choose a willing creature that you can see within range. Until the spell ends, the target's speed is doubled. It gains a plus two bonus to AC, it has advantage on dexterity saving throws, and it gains an additional action on each of its turns. That action can be used only to take the attack, one weapon attack only, dash, disengage, hide, or use an object action. When the spell ends, the target can't move or take actions until after its next turns as a wave of lethargy sweeps over it. So, it's I feel like there's two ways you could look at this. One, where you've changed their body in a way that allows them to move faster. Or, you create a time bubble, like time stop, but it's less powerful. And... I would kind of lean towards that just because I think that's neater. Yeah. And so basically adding an extra action isn't anything crazy because we know that like fighters as they level up get extra attack. So it's just more of like maybe a slight quickening of that person's bodily abilities beyond what they're normally capable of, which would make sense why they have, uh, why, why they are lethargic afterwards. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty neat, but let's jump back to actual divination. So a ninth level divination spell, there is one called Foresight. 
and says, you touch a willing creature and bestow a limited ability to see into the immediate future. For the duration, the target can't be surprised and it has advantage on attack rolls, ability checks, and saving throws. Additionally, other creatures have disadvantage on attack rolls against that target for the duration. The spell immediately ends if you cast it again before its duration ends. And the duration is eight hours. So that's a, a long time. That is a long, long time. So I really like how um, this spell is like very, it feels very combat specific. Um, and basically it just gives the person who this has been cast on the ability to know just like moments before something happens. Seconds. Yeah. yeah seconds. To be able to react to it. It's almost like um, improved instinct in some ways. But I mean, obviously it, it tells you what you can do, but maybe it doesn't tell you everything you could do. Could you foreseeably like see the result of a coin toss just before it finishes or a die roll or that sort of thing? I feel like that's not out of the out of the realm of possibilities. Yeah. I kind of view this like as you're able to maybe like read the sign. So maybe before like something is thrown into water, you actually see ripples happening or something like that. And then you mentally like can work backward and figure out like what would have caused that sort of thing. Yeah, if we're talking about uh like timeline splitting or multiple worlds theory you know perhaps you you see just before it happens like what the result of like your timeline will be so like when you're you know just before a measurement is you know flattens the probability you know what the probability you will measure will be so okay sorry that was a lot of babble when you're measuring things like a particle uh it it can have a probability of being in two states, let's say. When you measure it, that probability collapses into one or the other. And then that is the way it is for your world. So like multiple worlds theory, which I briefly mentioned, would say that that's where things split. And in another parallel world, the measurement is opposite. So all that technical jargon just to say like you probably just see the result of something just before it happens how like in and how everyone else perceives it there's a probability or there, there's something you know heads or tails might happen on a coin but you see what will what what it will be just before it actually occurs and so when someone goes to attack you you can see you know just before it happens if it'll actually hit and you can avoid it or you know someone tries to surprise you and you're not i just imagine uh a divination wizard walking around and just being snobby all the time because they know exactly what's going to happen just before <laughs> it does. Yeah. They uh, they laugh just before the punchline. <laughs> so with that, are if you know what the result is going to be before the result happens, that doesn't necessarily impact how you would act in that situation. Well, I mean, it does slightly because like it gives you advantage on checks. And also, like, you can't be surprised. So it does affect what, what you do. Okay, so you are actively changing the timeline. That's kind of my question. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, maybe it is that. Maybe it's instead of changing things, you're, you're hopping timelines. Like, you're the one that's, like, choosing which timeline you will go down, whether you are hit or not, or whether, you know, something happens or doesn't. Yeah, I'm sort of related. I'm playing an Echo Knight character right now, which is... Um, from Matt Mercer's Wild Mount um, expansion. And with that, you summon these echoes of yourself, which are basically from like timelines that never happened. And um, 
I was thinking it would be interesting if basically like you would think mostly statistically like the echoes are going to be similar to what you are now um, because like you've been going along this timeline, but it would be very possible to get like an echo summon that looks or like behaves or is dressed in a way that's like very atypical of your character and like representing like a path never taken um, in some respect. Um, yeah, that'd be neat. Yeah, so I've, I've been thinking about that and like adding that in. I thought that would be kind of cool in a way of like representing um, different timelines that, you know, are not the actual timelines we're in. Mm-hmm. So that was, sorry, kind of a little divergence. But um, so one thing that I, I don't know why I'm so obsessed with this, but I would like to talk about it with divination uh, magic is scrying. I just think scrying is so cool. I might like have to make a divination wizard just so I can like do scrying. So humor me and let, let's chat about scrying a little bit. Okay. So let's look at the scrying spell itself. This is a fifth level divination spell. Um, and it uses crystal ball, a silver, silver mirror, or a font filled with holy water. So kind of like what you might imagine you would use for scrying from all movies. Um, so you can see and hear a particular creature you choose that is on the same plane of existence as you. The target must make a wisdom saving throw, which is modified by how well you know the target and the sort of physical connection you have to it. If the target knows you're casting the spell, it can fail the saving throw voluntarily if it wants to be observed. Um, and then it has basically some modifiers based upon your knowledge of the target and your personal uh, connection to them. Um, and you can see in here through um, the sensor that you're summoning around the target um, as if you were there. The sensor moves with the target remaining within 10 feet of it for the duration. A creature that can see invisible objects sees the sensor as a luminous orb about the size of your fist. That's kind of the general gist of it. So really cool spy. (laughs) (laughs) So while you were talking about that, it made me come to the realization that divination bends space probably in a way that just allows something like photons to come through, uh, which maybe that's what the floating orb would be. You're seeing some effect of the photons bleeding through to the other space or perhaps uh, the other space coming back through the hole uh, to where you are. Yeah, that definitely could be the case. So one other aspect of the spell is um, knowledge and knowledge of who you're scrying on and connection to that person, which I'm curious, like what your thoughts are on the connection part specifically. So the book lists three different levels of connection, uh, likeness or picture, possession or garment, and then finally body part, lock of hair, bit of nail, or something to that degree. Mm -hmm. So how does, how could those things possibly uh, lend itself to like identifying the space where this person is uh, on the plane? basically. Hmm. Well, I would postulate that's kind of getting at the idea of finding someone's spirit, which would kind of come back to my theory of the plane of Aether, where there's not like three-dimensional, there's not three-dimensional relationships or space, but you are connected to things in a different way. So if you could find some sort of connection to this person in the Aether plane, you could kind of like 
do a backwards calculation and find them in our material plane. Okay, so then question with that. This spell only works if the person you're trying to find is in the same plane of existence as you. And I kind of imagine the Aether plane is something that like resides and connects to all planes. So maybe that's not what you imagine. But if, if that is the case, then like why wouldn't you be able to find them in the other plane if you're using the Aether plane to find them in the first place? Hmm. That's a good question. Perhaps the Aether plane is connected to different planes in different ways, or perhaps it's uh, another dimension of other planes. So it's, you know, like in a, it would be like a fourth dimension in a three dimensional plane or, you know, something like that, where it's intrinsically connected to it. So it's not connected to the other plane. So you would find that in all the other planes, but it, they're not interconnected. I don't know. I'm just throwing things out. Yeah, <laughs> I was just forcing you to put your hypothesis and postulate uh, to the test. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I'm curious. I'm just trying to think of like, is there's, you know, some other things, some other reason why that should be the case, why you wouldn't be able to see somebody um, on a different plane, especially since like the Feywild and Shadowfell are kind of echoes of the material plane so that you can imagine them residing pretty closely. Actually, now I'm kind of curious um are divination spells just limited to a single plane of existence i know like some of them like uh arcane eye i think is uh limited to a plane of existence yeah i think a lot of them would be there are some exceptions like uh, contact other plane and commune which allows you to con uh, speak with gods which usually reside on the upper planes um those both of those are Fairly high level, though. So maybe you're limited in... And I guess we would have to look extensively at this, which we're not doing. But maybe if you're looking for a non-god, you're limited to the same plane of existence. Versus if you're contacting a god, because gods uh, reside on different planes. Therefore, mm -hmm. those spells are different. Maybe. I don't know. Food <laughs> for thought. Um, so we've spent a lot of time talking about divination magic, which is bending manipulation of space and time um, but one other thing we wanted to talk about related to time which isn't really in the player's handbook but definitely got us thinking is the passage of time and how that relates to players especially if you have a very long campaign what does that mean for their stats um, because the player handbook doesn't give any guidance on this mm -hmm. and so we wanted to just kind of like throw out some um, hypotheses on or our personal thoughts on this. Um, and maybe if you have a campaign that's been going on 20 years and your character is aged five years, because that seems pretty likely, um, how has your character changed, I guess? Yeah, I would assume that the book doesn't really have an outline of rules of what happens when your character ages because it you know, d wouldn't happen that often. People don't usually play campaigns long enough. And even if they're long campaigns, they don't really think about aging. Um, but it makes sense if, you know, we could imagine that maybe like, uh, creatures don't age the same way in the D and D world that they do to our own, but there are some allusions to that. Like, uh, monks can get, um, an ability that makes it so they're impervious to the effects of age. We talked about druids a few weeks ago and their like 20th level ability, um, is related to aging extremely slowly. Mm -hmm. So obviously things do age. 
Uh, so yeah, it might be fun to th to think about that. Maybe come up with some optional rules if like your campaign does a time jump or something like that. I think the most likely thing would be a decrease to physical stats and an increase to mental one or social like charisma. Yeah, I definitely see that. Now I'm kind of curious like what it would take for someone to maintain their physical stats. I was thinking of like a YouTube video I saw of a very like high level athlete. She was like an Olympic gymnast and now was in her, I don't know, 80s or 90s or something. And she's still like doing the splits, doing the parallel bars. Like granted, it's not like high speed or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I imagine like if we were to give her stats, they would, uh, her strength index would still be pretty high. Yeah, I wouldn't imagine like if you are an adventurer and you are, you know, still active, like very active and everything you would still maintain a very good amount of fitness. So I would imagine like maybe a small change, you know, maybe up to like five would maybe be the maximum I would suggest of like your, your, as you start going up and up in age, your stats diminish up to five physically. So like strength index would go down by five. And then maybe you would choose, you know, what you've kind of started spending your time on, whether it's like, and how to interact with people or gathering knowledge or wisdom and that sort of thing. So you would increase some of those by five, up to five. So this also has me thinking about, you said increase your knowledge up to five or whatever. But we also know with age, unfortunately for a lot of people, there is mental deterioration, whether that be like forms of dementia or Alzheimer's or just, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, basically like, is it reasonable to assume that maybe like your intelligence would go down? Sure. I mean, towards the end of your life, but this is a fantasy world. Like, uh, I you, don't know. You can go insane. Like, I mean, yes. I was skimming through a spell on it. I don't remember which one it was, but it mentioned as you like travel towards insanity or something <laughs> like that. I feel like those would be left to people's, should be left to people's role playing and choices. And I don't know. I like the optional rule of like, thinking about age and how it would affect you. Cause I think that's an interesting character thing that like maybe as a fighter, you're transitioning from being front lines to being more of a, you know, authority figure that can inspire people and outline strategies and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But yeah, that would either be, let's see, intelligence, charisma, or wisdom. Yeah. Of those. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So if you have any thoughts about age or divination or anything else, suggestions on what we, should, what we should talk about next or thoughts about the future, you can send those in to our email address, which is scienceofdd at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.